Hello, sons and heirs. And daughters will be politically correct as well. Although, of course, if you want to argue biblically, God doesn't have any daughters. I knew it was going to start badly. Right, anyway, how patient are you? How patient are you? Do you feel that you are a patient kind of person? Are you the kind of person who waits really calmly for the arrival of something? Yeah? All across the world at the moment, people are gearing up for Christmas. In case you didn't notice, and it nearly passed me by, we're now in December. And Christmas is coming. I'll just be glad to have finished the decorating before it gets here. <laughs> but what are you like? What, all across the land, you've got kids going already. And when I speak to them, they go, like, oh, I can't wait. I want it to be here now. I want it to be Christmas now. Yeah? People getting forward for something. What are you like when you're anticipating something. Are you one of those get really worked up, really excited inside, really bouncing around kind of people? Or are you one of those, oh for goodness sake, can we just get there, get it over, get it out of the way and then we can move on and get on with the rest of life. So, um, I got heckled this morning in the youth group by my own son. Shame. Shame was mine. He actually called me a hypocrite in the middle of the youth group study, in a very nice and loving way, I hasten to add, but actually he's dead right. <laughs> it is. We were talking about things and, and, and not making things idols, not having too much stuff and that kind of thing. So he, he called me on stuff, uh, which is always good when you're called out, but if we're called to disciple one another, then it's fine to be discipled by your own kids. In Jesus, I think. Anyway, so I'm just hoping tonight that since my wife is sat on the front row, she's not going to follow suit and heckle me this evening. Am I a patient person, darling, normally? Yes, I am. I am a patient person. I am one of those people who is generally actually really quite laid back. A lot of the time, I am quite chilled in my character, and I don't stress over things, and Christmas and stuff like that don't excite me that much, because I, like, I do enjoy getting presents, same as everybody else, but I'm not one of those people who's like, it's all about the presents kind of excitement and, and that of the day, and uh, I, I'm just not like that, so it's always an indicator to me that there's something up inside of me when my patience slips and I start to get frustrated with other people and things and get worked up about trivial stuff that doesn't really matter. And I've noticed that in myself over the last few weeks, that there is something going on in me because I am quite impatient. I found it hard to wait for things. I've ordered a couple of things and they haven't come. And I want them to come now because then... They're here, and they don't... And, you know what? Does anybody else get like this? Or is it just... Ah, it's my age, yeah, okay, right. It's just my age. So, so I don't get that worked up about that, but what about... Why I'm thinking, patience is such an important quality, isn't it? One of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So what does that say about me? 
it means I'm leaking um, at the moment because the, the oil or the oil or the water of the Spirit is not as abundant in my life as it normally is. I'm seeping out a little bit somewhere. Maybe I've poured too much energy and effort into something. Now, this is not meant to be a 10-minute confessional, by the way, on the state of your youth pastor tonight. But it is interesting to us, actually. Sometimes these things highlight us. And it's very easy to go, well, I'm just not that kind of patient a person. But actually, if it's a part of what the Holy Spirit does in us, we're supposed to be known as a people of patience, people who are able to wait and think. And it's a really important thing to develop. And I want to think tonight just a little bit about the importance of patience and waiting in our Christian times, and especially about thinking about waiting for God's timing. So just the right time. So we just read... In the middle of that, thankfully, Galatians, I had a moment there at the back, um, that we were reading from the right book. Um, but it was lovely. Actually, Leslie, it's great. I really love it. So I love being part of a family church where stuff goes wrong, don't you? I don't, I, I, heaven, help us and preserve us from being constantly professional all of the time and we feel that we can't make a mistake. Let's get real, yeah? That no perfect people allowed in the kingdom of God, I think. Is yeah. So apart from you, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Apart from you, and possibly Tony as well. Tony's sanctification level, yeah, way up there. Oh, he doesn't. Right, right. Okay. So when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. So. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, to redeem us. Why did God set a time for his God, for his son to come? Why did the time have to be fully come before Jesus came? Why did Jesus come exactly when he did and not sooner or later? Have we got any Lord of the Rings fans? And, go on, closet Lord of the Rings fans. Yeah, so you'll all know about wizards, won't you? Yes? That wizards are never early and neither are they late. They always arrive precisely when they mean to. And God is exactly like that. God is never early. God is never late. He always arrives precisely when he mean to. But the idea of the times being fully come, this whole idea of, of time being pregnant with something, gestating the coming of Jesus, something happening, but it's not yet seen. There's something going on that God is building into the whole of creation. And actually even, we read later on, that that. Jesus is the lamb who was slain before the creation of the world. So before the world is even made, God knows that he's sending Jesus to die for us. And yet, we go thousands and thousands and thousands of years before he comes. And I just want to think a little bit about why he came when he did. Now, historically, the historians will tell us, of course, that it was 
perfect time, and particularly if you like your biblical um, archaeology and your biblical history and that kind of thing, you can look at everything that's going on in the world leading up to that time of Jesus coming and go, all of these things have come so that this is the perfect timing for the gospel to enter the earth here. Father Alexander the Great has swept across everywhere and, and brought a common language and everyone speaking Greek at least as the second language. You've got the Romans who've come in and built blowing roads everywhere so that everyone can get from one place to another safely and messages can go out and transport happens and all of that kind of thing. And... and there's all of these logical reasons, but I wonder what it felt like for other people. So, there's all kinds of things happening in the culture at the time. So, the, the, the spiritual kind of state of Israel at the time is, is, is crying out, expecting for God to answer, longing for the day when the Messiah comes. You've got all these socio-economic things going on that are helpful to the spread of the gospel coming and all of that kind of thing. And you've got a kind of permissiveness in society that, that kind of allows for monotheism to, to actually work so that, so that the belief in one God and one answer and that kind of thing is something that can stir up. None of that makes any sense to me whatsoever. It's just, why did God send his son when he did? Because he did. And maybe there's some truth in all of those things. It certainly helped pave the way for the gospel coming. But I wonder what it felt like to the prophets of old, whose prophecies we love to read at Christmas time because they remind us that a thousand years before his coming, there was a guy who knew that God was going to send the Saviour and spoke about him and wrote about him and told people about him and raised levels of expectancy and died and snuffed it and got buried and disappeared without ever seeing any of these glorious things that he was talking about that he caught a little sniff of what was going on in the heavenly realms about. I wonder whether he thought the timing was perfect. What about Mary? Did Mary think the timing was perfect? I tell you what, it's a really good idea. Let's have a baby before I get married. You know, that'd be great timing. It'd be really, really good timing. How am I supposed to carry God's son? I'm not even married yet. And what about Joseph? What about Joseph? There you are. And your fiance is pregnant, and you know you're not the dad. And then God goes, it's okay, it's mine. Did he go, perfect timing, Lord. That's absolutely wonderful. No one's going to think anything of this. Yeah? And then what about the whole census thing and where Jesus is actually born? Is that perfect timing as well? Tell you what, nine months pregnant, we'll just walk 75 miles from Nazareth down to Bethlehem and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, that would be a great time to have Jesus. Oh, and by the way, everyone else in civilization has gravitated to the place as well, so there's no room anyway, you can't move. So we end up in the, the stabling, yeah, with the animals birthing the Son of God. Does that feel like great timing? I wonder. <laughs> I bet it didn't at the time. Yeah, I bet it didn't at the time. And then there's a madman on the throne. Yeah? 
and the Son of God has just been born to your wife, and then you have a, a visitation of angels in the dream that says, you better run now. <laughs> He's coming to get him. So you disappear off to Egypt. Isn't that great timing? It doesn't feel like it, does it? So, I wonder what it felt like to them, and yet, in God's economy, before you think I am a complete heretic, I am a heretic, by the way, just not a complete one. So, some bits of me are missing. So. God's timing is still perfect. I want to move on. Let's think about us a little bit, because there's several other times when God's timing is described as perfect in Scripture. You'll all be familiar with some of these verses I'm going to bring up. Romans 5, verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. What about God's timing of salvation? Um, Hands up if you were here for Martha's baptism um, in October, quite a few people, Martha, from the youth group. She's 18 years old, she's just gone away to university. But two weeks after she went away to university, she came back to get baptised, which was brilliant. And I was doing some baptismal prep with her and talking to her about things, and, and she was going, I don't really feel like I've got much of a testimony to tell. Um, did anybody here uh, make that little comment about, uh, you know, I, I didn't have a chip shop moment or something like that, which was a... If, for those of you that don't know, all of the youth group know that I came to faith opposite a chip shop on the Hagley Road in Old Swinford. So, so my own conversion experience was somewhat unusual. Just handy for getting some chips afterwards, but it was... But she felt she didn't have much of a testimony because she's grown up in church here. She knows everybody. She's grown up with God. She's gradually come to faith. She can't pin down a moment when it all really solidified for her, but it has very clearly and very definitely. And I told her I envied her. I actually envy her that, growing up in a Christian home and not going off the rails and not having to do crazy stuff. But what about the guys who get their girlfriends pregnant before they come to faith? Or the guys that end up doing drugs and things like that and then getting converted or the guys that you know are paralytically drunk every Friday and Saturday night for years on end throughout their teenage years before they come to faith or the guys that are riding with bike gangs and and getting into all kinds of other trouble before God kind of calls them to salvation and yet at just the right time God intervenes always just the right time for you why does God want us powerless that's our perception by the way not his I think it's because when we think we might be able to save ourselves we keep on trying yeah And we keep trying to find other things that aren't God to fill the hole and the need inside of us. And actually, a lot of the time, it's only when we come to the end of all of that stuff and all of our own efforts that actually we're in a place where we cry out to God out of sheer desperation and discover that actually he is there. That was certainly my experience. Because he wants to know that at the end of ourselves, whatever we've done, both to destroy ourselves and try and make ourselves, 
He's always been there waiting for that perfect moment opposite the chip shop when heaven and earth move and angels rejoice over one sinner who repents. Crazy stuff. So what about end time stuff? Hello, mate. I'm just in the middle of the preaching. Oh, no. <laughs> just say hello to this lovely congregation, will you? Hello, everyone. We just... Hello. Now, go away. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> it's my daughter's fiancé. <laughs> Perfect timing. <laughs> At just the right time. Yeah. You rang me. That's wonderful. <laughs> Is there any point in carrying on? Yeah, okay, right, hang on. I'm slightly thrown now. That's a great moment. Right, okay. I don't know what your expectation is of Jesus' second coming. I know that the early disciples in the church, if you read the New Testament clearly, there's definitely an expectation there that Jesus is coming back really soon. They almost seem surprised that some of them have started to die and he's not come back yet. Yeah? Because they were clearly told by the angels that this Jesus who you've seen go into heaven he'd come back in the same way and they're all waiting for it. Actually, it's probably a good reason that the angels, a good idea that the angels asked them, what are you doing stood here looking up into heaven? Because they might well still have been stood there waiting. (laughs) Yeah? and doing nothing else before he came. Um, I had an evangelistic friend, um, a national evangelist, um, in the early years of my Christian experience, um, who I remember in about 1987 saying to me, having a conversation with me, and he felt Jesus was probably coming back in the year 2000. I asked him why he said that, and it seemed like a good date to me. (laughs) And I remember it being polytechnic, Uh, at Wolverhampton when the Jehovah's Witnesses had taken over the whole of the Molyneux ground opposite the Polytechnic in Wolverhampton and because they had a word that the end of the world was coming and and they'd all gathered on the day it was supposed to happen and then we were as students in the Polytechnic over the other side of the road going flipping, I hope they got that one wrong (laughs) they did it didn't happen (laughs) I've heard many prophetic words over the years about the second coming of Jesus and actually none of them have been fulfilled. Yet. Yet. So it can be pre-trib, post-trib, somewhere in the middle of the grand scheme things, trib. Um, you and, and Matt and I went to hear John Arnott speak um, uh, last week, anybody, everybody know who John Honor is, former pastor of Toronto Vineyard, where the whole Toronto blessing thing started from, and he's still coming out and he's talking about, he's talking about Jesus' soon return. Honestly, I don't know when that will be. Honestly, John Honor doesn't know where it's going to be either. Because you know the truth. Jesus didn't know when it was going to be either. How do you get your head around that one? When the second person of the Trinity hasn't been letting on the secret yet about when he's coming back. 
And yet all these people think that they can predict when it's going to happen. But one thing I do know, we're closer to Jesus' return now than we were when my friend thought it was going to be the year 2000. Yeah? And we're closer to it now than we ever have been. I'm not going to stress about exactly when it will be, but I know it's coming. Not knowing exactly when it's going to be puts me in really good company if the Son of God doesn't know when it's going to be either. I'm comfortable with that. The only question is this, when he comes again, will he find faith on the earth? Which is the question he asked himself. When I come back, will he find faith on the earth? I don't know. I hope so. I think it was Keith Cream on it. I hope so. I want to be found ready. So my job is not to guess the time and the date of Jesus' second coming. My job is just to be ready. Will it be the ones that are desperately trying to predict the exact moment of Jesus' arrival that get it right and get caught up in the first wave of stuff that whatever God does at the end of days? I don't know. I have a sneaky suspicion that the ones that are probably just quietly getting on doing the stuff that Jesus has told them to do, um, that they know he's told them to do, and actually they'll be the ones that get, yeah? Because he's going to take us all by surprise. I wonder if there'll be a warning when when Jesus doesn't get up, does he? No, it's disappointing theologically for me. But just imagine a morning where Jesus got out of bed and his dad gets, today's the day, son. You're going back. But let's be those ones that actually stay full of the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to breathe that kind of patience in us that can wait and carry on and just keep working through what it is that Jesus has told us to do because at some time, at just the right time, he is coming back. Let's think about difficult stuff for a minute and then I'm going to finish really quickly. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. When do you need patience? When you want everything to happen now. Yeah? When do you need the Holy Spirit to be at work in you? When you can't do anything about your circumstances and you just need him to be at work. Yeah? I wonder how long the psalmist was actually down in the slimy pit in the mud and wire before God turned to him and heard his cry. I don't know. But if you're in that place, it can feel like forever. But Peter tells us the Lord's not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's never early. He's never late. He always rescues precisely when he means to. It's us that sometimes think he's got his timing off. Somebody asked me once about why God always shows up at the 11th hour. I said, I don't know. In my experience, it's normally about five past (laughs) twelve. When I think it's all gone wrong already, God t- turns up and rescues it. Yeah. 
But when it feels like we've waited forever, God is just waiting for the right time, his perfect time. And sometimes, actually, the stuff that he's doing in us and the promises that he's fulfilling to us are actually part of the process of the difficulties that we're struggling through and the situation that we want to end. I spent the worst two years of my working life prophesying a word I'd been given by God the day before I started my job into the workplace I was in. I got up every morning so I could get in early to that workplace and pray these verses into the place, believing that somehow my prophetic voice was making a difference in this terrible working situation that I was in. I'd been there about two and a half years and I was sweeping the floor in the warehouse one morning about eight o'clock when I was prophesying as I normally did what it was that God had said to me and God went really, really loudly so that you think that someone else must have heard it. You know that's not what I'm doing here, don't you? Were his exact words to me. He said, no, that's what I've been doing in you. And now you're leaving. And within a month of that, I was out of that workplace and somewhere else by a bizarre set of circumstances. While I was in it, that was the hardest, most difficult time of my entire working life. At just the right time, actually about three weeks before the company was shut down, I was taken out of there to something else. We don't always see what it is that God is doing. We don't always know what he was doing. The great news is that you can even get entirely the wrong end of the stick about something God has definitely sent to you and he still manages to work his purposes out. In his time, it will all come good. So his time is not our timing. And sometimes he wants to work in ways that we cannot perceive or conceive. He's never slow, he just sees things differently and sometimes patience is the answer that you need. Presence definitely is. If the fruit of the Spirit is patience, then the presence of the Spirit and our welcome of him is essential to all of this stuff coming out good in God's timing. Sometimes we just cry out, Lord, fix the problem but in his presence the problem disappears or at least our perspective towards it changes so question tonight what matters most problems or the presence of Jesus absence of problems or the presence of Jesus And actually, Jesus' birth that we're celebrating at the start of this Advent didn't deal with all the problems that were out there on the surface. There were just as many difficult situations to overcome once it turned up than there were before. But we know that in his perfect timing, God is working all things together for our good. Let's be grateful for the presence of of his spirit at work in our lives and this Advent let's welcome the spirit of Jesus back into us let's pray
Lord, we are so grateful that you didn't leave us as orphans. Lord, we're so grateful for the presence of the Spirit at work in our lives. And Lord, we long to be more open and sensitive to all that he does. Lord, we delight in the power that the Spirit can work in us. We delight in the miracles that some perform. We delight in the healing that his presence brings. But Lord God, help us to delight in the character formation and the fruit that is being born in us and our own lives that are being transformed more into your image by the Spirit's work and presence in us day by day. Lord, help us to be those people that incubate, gestate, carry the Spirit of God inside of us and allow him to grow up fully in us and form us into the image of Christ. Lord, help us when we're struggling and it's hard to wait for that process to be complete. Lord, give us the patience that we need for wait for your perfect timing. In Jesus' name. Amen.